You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thursday, November 18th, Just Baseball show. Jack McMullen, Peter Apple, Just Baseball turns 100 today. Wow. Wow, dude. Episode 100. We started on April 1st, and now it's, what's today's date again? November Uh, November 18th. 18th, I just said it. You did just say it. And we're at episode 100. It's been an awesome ride. I mean, look at where we started at the beginning. In Florida, me recording my first podcast ever, my first ever activity on a mic, talking with you about Fernando Tatis Jr., who would we give out these contracts to? And it's developed into this business, and it's it's it makes me happy every single day. Do you remember when we recorded like what we thought was going to be episode one, and then about 30 minutes in, we both just <laughs> said, ah, fuck it, this sucks. And I remember, no, we weren't saying this sucks. We were just like, this has to be multiple episodes. Like we could yeah. talk for hours. And I feel like the first time we jumped on the mic, we were all thinking, oh, we got to do 30 minute podcast, but we just have so much stuff to talk about. And we could talk for hours. So even limiting it to an hour is tough sometimes. Yeah, no, I listen. I love hearing myself talk. Uh, and I'm sure you love hearing yourself talk too. So don't mind it. You know, I could probably sit here for about two hours, but the reality is it's more fun having a dialogue uh, and listening to you and bouncing off what you say. And uh, RM, I guess, is fine, too. And here we are, 100 episodes in. And I just want to thank everybody for listening the entire time. If you remember, we were Project the Plate. And the reasoning we changed from Project the Plate to Just Baseball was we, we were asking around, and a lot of people thought it was Project the Plate. And we thought moving forward, we can't have a name where people don't even know whether it's project or project and project to plate doesn't really make any sense, but this is what it was supposed to be about projecting players. So I want to take you guys back to how just baseball started. It started on a phone call in 2020. I was working in the season ticket sales department for the New York Yankees and Aram was hosting Locked On Prospects, hosting Locked On Marlins. He wanted an outlet for a website to write articles, right? And I wanted to break out of the sales mode, even though I loved working for the Yankees. It was a dream of mine ever since I was born. I mean, I wrote my college essay about being the general manager of the New York Yankees, but I knew I wanted to talk about the baseball. I wanted to jump into media. So we were talking, talking, talking. What can we do? And on April 1st, I jumped on TikTok. And our goal 
by the end, when we launch our website on June 22nd of 2021, we hope to have a thousand followers. We thought if we had a thousand people that were willing to watch our content, that they could come over to the website and check. But by the time of launch, we reached 55,000 followers. So the momentum just kept building and building. And then the website went well. And we've had interviews, with Bob Costas, Soledad O'Brien, Michael Schwimmer, Nelson Figueroa. And we're going to even have the Lieutenant Governor of Georgia, Jeff Duncan, coming on the podcast to talk about his life in the minor leagues. And now we're at episode 100. We're nearing a quarter of a million followers across our social channels. And it's been an incredible ride. We all quit our jobs at age 23 because we knew that we wanted to talk baseball and we thought that we could do it and we're actually doing it. And it's not a dream come true yet because we got a lot of ways to go. We got a lot more conversations. We're at episode 100. Let's talk again when we're at episode 1,000. But it's yeah, my passion. Works. It's your passion. And it's just, it makes me smile. I was, listen, I was going to say we could talk again when we get to episode 200. 1,000 feels like a, a long time from now. Why don't we talk again at like 145 and just say, damn, this is cool, right? And I also want to say too, the reason I told you it was Jack Arm and I on a phone call, but I thought, okay, Arm's still doing his podcast. Who is the best person I know that I could hook up with to do this with? First thought, Jack motherfucking McMullen voice of the high tin caps knows the sport this way that way every way started episode one now we're at episode 100 but arm of of course is now on the just baseball show as well it's crazy man it was funny you know you were um you you guys put out some youtube videos before project the plate even launched and it was you know Mm -hmm. top 10 positions and you put on your snap story just like uh, a camera and a ring light in front of you. And yep. I swiped up on your snap story <laughs> and I just said showtime with like the star emoji. And yeah. you said, wait, shit, I actually need to call you like now. And yeah. you called me later that night and we're like, let's, let's go. And you said, is this something that you'd be interested in? You, you looped Arn it, Arm in on the conference call. And I was just like, I mean, listen, I was willing to talk baseball for an hour twice a week in my free time. Like that's what I do with my free time. Cause I'm a loser and to be able to do it and have this platform already uh, was awesome. And thanks for, uh, thanks for bringing me along on this thing. Cause it's very fun. Well, thank you for coming on. And we just debuted at number 18 on chartable on the rankings for podcasts for baseball in America. It's incredible. I don't know how we're ranked 18, quite frankly, we're ahead of some, crazy good podcasts but i'm just glad that people like it and we're going to keep going and i just want to thank you all genuinely for being along the ride it's been so much fun and we do it for you guys because we love hearing your feedback um, on twitter on tiktok on instagram and everything we try to answer every question because we genuinely love talking with all you guys about baseball and hey maybe maybe a carrot to get more people to listen when we break into the top 10, it's not if, it's when we break That's into when. the top yeah. 10. I've got a lot of confidence in us. Um, but when we break into the top 10, maybe we should attach a nickname to our loyal listeners, right? So, um, you know, Pardon My Take has award-winning listeners, and Titus and Tate has uh, friends of the program, and Jim Rome has clones. Like, I, I think we need something like that. We need something. How about this? We'll start something on Twitter, and we'll say, what should we, what should we call you guys? 
why don't you guys why don't you guys tweet at us and tweet and- at us what you'd like to be called because i remember even in twitch they like to be called fam but i don't use that's just not really in my vocabulary that word fam i don't use fam a lot what's you good use fam? fam yeah do you use that word no i use bros <laughs> so it doesn't yeah it doesn't roll off the tongue like it might yeah, I like uh, I like using fam and bros when I'm trying to be super buttoned up and articulate. Like, how are you guys doing today, bros? Uh, big meeting. So. Should we talk all MLB pitchers? We should. Yeah, last episode that we did, that was a Tuesday release, we ran through the all MLB team on the position player side. So we named a catcher, first, second, short, third, three outfielders, and a DH to be our all MLB team. We also had a ton of people that should be considered when you are voting. There is a fan vote. Go to MLB.com or literally just Google all MLB team vote and you can go vote for your guys. There were about 10 finalists. We whittled it down to, you know, three, four for you and we picked a winner. We put together our all just baseball team. So now we want to do pitchers where you pick five starting pitchers and two relief pitchers. And it was just going to be way too big an episode if we did all of it at once. So this is pretty much part two to what came out on Tuesday. We're doing the all MLB pitchers uh, for just baseball's fan vote ballot because we are not bigger than the fan vote yet. We are not bigger than the fan vote, but if you maybe didn't listen to this entire podcast or didn't hear part one, you can go read the full article on justbaseball.com or check us out on YouTube as well. So our whole team is there. Also, the Pillbox Batco postseason shirt. Now that's the end of the postseason, we're putting it on sale. Everyone on YouTube can take a look. You guys know my roommate wore it for like four days in a row because it's a very comfortable shirt on Pillbox Batco. The link is in our description. It was $28. It's now $18.92. Go get it before they sell out. It's a very nice shirt. And you can find the link in the description of this podcast episode. Hold on. Before we move on, what happened in 1892? Columbus sailed the ocean blue. No, no. man 1892 baseball history to commemorate the price of this pillbox bat coat t-shirt well uh the boston bean eaters won the first half in the national league uh they also won the world's championship series over the cleveland spiders so the boston bean eaters beat the cleveland spiders in 1892 and that's uh we'll say that's why uh the pillbox bat coat t-shirt is priced the way it is I think that's but fair. Do you know Columbus why the Cleveland the went to the actually 400 years sooner? Do you know why the Cleveland switched to the Guardians instead of back to the Spiders? Because I know Cleveland was also dealing with this, uh, like this law dis- this dispute with this roller rank team that was called the Cleveland Guardians. And now I know there's litigation happening. Just stick with the Spiders, right? Yeah. So I do like the I do like the spat with the roller derby team. I love I, it. I, I love it. <laughs> It's worth sticking with it just for the sake of the bit. Like commit to the just bit. The bit. <laughs> and just it's like taking on big pharma. Like this roller derby team. There might be an E60. Uh like just commemorating this Cleveland roller derby team, the Cleveland Guardians. Those are my Cleveland Guardians. Hashtag Those my are Cleveland my Guardians. Cleveland Guardians. <laughs> so 
I know that there is this local tie to the Guardians. I, I watched the video that Tom Hanks narrated, and you got a bunch of shots of the river. Like Cleveland is a low key, pretty nice place. Um, mm-hmm. It's gotten a bad rap historically, but there is some sort of tie to it being like the city of Guardians or something. Makes sense. I don't know. That's I'm not bad about it. Just more hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's totally hilarious. And Shane Bieber didn't pitch enough to be an All MLB finalist. So. Uh, Let's get into starters without Cleveland Guardian Shane Bieber. Cool? Cool with me. All right. Let's run through guys who should be considered. Um, Let's start with Brandon Woodruff. He was certainly overshadowed by his teammate Corbin Burns, even though Woodruff was fourth in baseball in ERA and fifth in FIP while throwing in a notorious hitter's park in American Family Field. You and I tuned into as many Brandon Woodruff starts as we possibly could this year. I mean, how many just Brewers games are we turning on because there's an elite pitcher going? I get to watch Corbin Burns in the 99 backdoor cutter, 99 miles an hour backdoor cutter. I get to go watch Brandon Woodruff just shove high-spin fastballs with four other pitches. And then I got to watch Freddie Peralta, one of the best fastball slider combinations in baseball. I was just continually – and then you, you just got a bunch of other dudes like Eric Lauer. I mean, even a guy like Aaron Ashby. Um, Adrian Hauser was good this year. Like the entire Brewer staff, it was one after another of just good pitchers. But Brandon Woodruff needs to be talked about because he's really, he's probably a top 10 pitcher in baseball, even though the guy above him, Corbin Burns, always kind of maybe overshadows him a bit. But Brandon Woodruff is a stud. What was cool was Woodruff came into the year as, as the ace of the Brewers. It, it was yeah. 1A, 1B, but Woodruff was 1A, and Burns was 1B with more to prove. He obviously yep. took over as the one, and Woodruff I mean, is just the best two. But, like, Woodruff performed to the expectations that people had for him in 2021. He or exceeded them. Yeah. yeah. And it's crazy. You out you outgain your own expectations, but yet there was another guy – who had a 1.63 FIP, yeah. who had an ERA that was lower than Woodruff's. It was just like, it all came together this year. Even a guy yeah. like Freddie Peralta, expectations blew him out of the water. But yet, it was still the three. It was still overshadowed slightly. Yeah, amen. Uh, our next guy who should be considered for the all-MLB starting pitching rotation uh, is San Francisco's Kevin Gosman. If it weren't for a rougher second half, it's all relatively speaking, Gosman might have won the NL Cy Young outright with how good he was in the first half. He finished sixth in baseball and ERA, seventh in FIP, eighth in pitching war, and he was the guy that the 107 win San Francisco Giants turned to every fifth day. And damn, was he electric. So electric. And Logan Webb is another guy who you probably won't or you won't hear mentioned in this. But Logan Webb is also becoming an ace, but I don't think that you could say that Kevin Gosman wasn't the overall ace for the Giants this year on the team that won the most regular season games. Kevin Gosman was pretty damn good this year. That splitter, unhittable, fastball, he just tunnels very well. He's just a very good pitcher, and I'm excited to see how he progresses because this guy kind of not didn't come out of absolute nowhere, but nobody was expecting this type of year from this guy. No, it was um, it was the kid that hit puberty first that just had some crazy stuff, right? Like he threw harder than everybody in Little League and freshman year of high school, but he just couldn't command for anything. So it was like, he's got the stuff of the kid that hit puberty first. He just needed to figure out how to mesh it all together. And he did. 
Like that's the thing when he was coming up in the, in the Orioles system. And when he was a Baltimore Oriole, he was really talented. You obviously saw that there just needed to be that next gear to find. He was a coveted young pitcher. Yeah. I want to shout out how good his first half was too. I mean, his pre and post all-star splits were staggering actually pre all-star break. He was nine and three with a one seven, three ERA had 133 punch outs and 114 innings of work, a 159 batting average against, but post all-star break, he had 15 starts compared to 18 in the front half. He had a 4-4-2 ERA compared to 173. And the batting average against went from 159 to 276. So he was ever so slightly average, like maybe even below average in the second half. But he was the best pitcher in baseball in the front half. He was the best pitcher in baseball in the front half. That's what I was saying. If it weren't for a rougher second half, he would have probably won the National League Cy Young. If he yeah. at least somewhat maintained those numbers, eh, Corbin Burns is pretty damn good. <laughs> but still, like that was the kind of pitcher he was this year. Yeah. Comparable to Corbin Burns, if you elongated his first half. You wanted to leave this guy off of the honorable mentions, pretty much. And I said, absolutely not. Adam Wainwright was my veto on you. The 40-year-old gem for St. Louis. Like, he deserves it. I love that you wrote in our shared Google doc. Come yeah. on. He deserves it. 40 years old, still finished third in innings pitched. He was one of four guys to log over 200 innings of work this year. He had to step up when Jack Flaherty got hurt very early and missed significant time. He did. He had a 305 ERA in north of 200 innings at the age of 40, and his fastball was sitting like 88. That's all MLB worthy. Yeah. No, I mean, when you were saying it's like Adam Wainwright. Yes, I'm totally fine putting up all this honorable mentions. My only thing is with Adam Wainwright, 3.05 ERA. Yes, but he's also working with the best defense behind him. You can't ever. ding him for that. No, you can't ding him for that. But 174 strikeouts in 206 innings shows that his stuff isn't that dominant. You look at his baseball savant page his percentile rankings like he's just the only thing that he's in the 90th percentile in is curve spin like it, that's just where adam wainwright is but it's not like adam wainwright is a bad pitcher by any stretch of the imagination getting out and his result stats put him in his upper echelon i mean 1.06 whip as well he started 32 games screw it Put Adam Wainwright in there. I don't care. I love Screw it. it. Like, I'm not upset. Adam Wainwright's the guy that makes me hate advanced stats. <laughs> Which is fair. Because it's like, you know he's shoving every single day. But you might look at some advanced being like, is he getting unlucky? Is he getting lucky? But it's like, well, he's just shoving. Just let him right. shove. Like, I, I like using advanced stats to, to see the whole picture for everybody else except Adam Wainwright. Yeah. And Waino just makes me want to throw a toothpick in and, like, you throw on a flannel and just say, let's that's my guy. That's my horse. He just wins. Yeah. <laughs> <He> just wins. <laughs> yeah I love it. Right? Just throw like, a toothpick by your flannel just be like, yeah. That's my guy. Wainwright. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm in. That's my guy. Um, all right. Our next guy who should be considered is Nathan Yavaldi. Yavaldi, mm-hmm. if we had to move one guy into the top five, you think it should be Yavaldi. It, it might be another guy on this list, but Yavaldi's right there too. He finished third in war, 
third in FIP and his 375 ERA is still good. But most likely the reason that it's high is just because of some bad luck. I mean, the Red Sox, for some reason, had just the two kings of expected stats. And it was Yavaldi and Erod. Yavaldi was eons better than Erod. I think the only thing with Ivaldi, I mean, just his advanced numbers looked electric. And I mean, his stuff was so good. I mean, we even saw him in in the playoffs. Like he just, he looked pretty damn good. And he looked like one of those pitchers that you want on the hill in the big moments. Yeah. Ivaldi is, he's just straight up good. I mean, when you even look at a lot of his advanced metrics, they're just strong as hell. And he's only 31 years old. I thought Ivaldi was much older than that. Um but this is becoming kind of a really good pitcher in baseball, whether we like it or not. No, I mean, I I love it because that's a guy that has gone through the shit, right? I mean, he dealt with arm issues on arm issues on arm issues, and he he finally found a home in Boston and that postseason hero mode that he got into in 2018 kind of carried through. And he was just a really, really solid pitcher, especially with the absence of Chris sale. I mean, he took over for a staff that was really bad. Like before 2021, we were saying Ivaldi's good, not great, but everybody else sucks. And the Red Sox have the worst staff in the league. And then they turn around and win the wild card game and make it to the ALCS. Like that's what Ivaldi did. He was the anchor for an outperforming staff. And Ivaldi has consistently outperformed what people expect from him. Absolutely. And also with these advanced sets, don't you think it's probably hard for a pitcher pitching in one of the best hitters parks in Fenway Park facing consistent elite offensive competition in the Rays, the Yankees, the Blue Jays? I mean, say what you want about the Orioles. If they can do one thing, it's hit. So he's got to go through all those different lineups in Fenway Park in also Yankee Stadium, for example. Yeah. In Toronto and Tampa. Tampa's a band box, too. They're all band boxes. So that's why you see Erod with his four fucking 100 ERA, Eovaldi yeah. close to four. And you're like, well, these, the results didn't end up actually being that good. But, you know, got to use a little bit of context there. But also, what Eovaldi did in 2021, also compared to 2020, he didn't throw a slider at all in 2020. In 2021, he threw a slider 13.7% of the time. It was his third most used pitch. Yeah. And the expected batting average on that pitch was 207. Seemed like a really good pitch that he threw in his arsenal. He's got a 35.1% whiff whiff rate. Threw in another pitch and he kind of became elite. He was legit. He, he was, was legit. totally legit. And it was it was the taste breaker. When you throw a pitch 14% of the time, that's not a pitch that you are going to as an out pitch often. He can go to it as an out pitch, but it was just a taste breaker. You know, yeah, and he had a cutter too that he threw a lot in 2020. He lowered that usage put in a slider, changing speeds. He's just a good pitcher. Right. He's a good pitcher. Uh, Another guy that was a really, really, really good pitcher this year and could win a Cy Young. Um, It was Cy Young come out today, tonight. Comes out today. Comes out at 6 p.m. Eastern tonight. Well, no. I mean, we might have just left the American League Cy Young Award winner uh, off of our all MLB team. But Robbie Ray is our next guy who you should consider. He just didn't really make the cut for us. Um, he did finish 17th in pitching war and 22nd in FIP, but he led the AL in innings, ERA, strikeouts. I mean, Robbie Ray just turned it on and was dominant. 
there was this stretch from June to early September that it was like, oh my God, Robbie Ray is just like running a different race than everybody else. And then he faltered at the end. At the beginning, he was still a little bit erratic, but he had a stretch that was like Jake Arrieta-like, where he was just an automatic seven and he was punching guys left and right. I think with Robbie Ray, it's the it's the conversation of what matters more, result stats of what actually happened, or when you provide a little bit of context, was he a little bit lucky? And that's why he didn't exactly make the five, because although his result stats were possibly the best in baseball. He might win the Cy Young. But when you look at 22nd in FIP, did he get kind of lucky? And then the five who made our all MLB pitchers list, both all of them had amazing counting stats coupled with fantastic advanced stats. So that's where we drew the line. Eovaldi was kind of the opposite of Robbie Ray. Evaldi's counting stats weren't that great, but the advanced stats are good. Robbie Ray was kind of the complete opposite. Overall, I think Robbie Ray, I I don't know. That's kind of where I'm sitting at right now. I'm just like, I like Robbie Ray a lot. How how are how are front offices going to evaluate him when when he gets a free agent contract? You know, might be interesting to see. I I I'm gonna go back to this. Like, aside from this year, I mean the dude couldn't throw a strike to save his life. I know. So what are we saying here? I don't know. Julio Arias, next guy you should consider. Arias was a 20-game winner. He was a lone 20-game winner. Wins don't matter, but they also matter. <laughs> they matter, like, kind of. Like, it's still cool. Yeah, you know? he won 20 games. And, like, yes, you had the Dodgers offense behind you, but Julio Arias won 20 games. Well, you know what it means? Because when you, you ask Dodger fans, Dodgers come ready to play when Julio's on the mound. Yeah. They know that's going to be a win. Like, the yeah. run... Run scoring for Julio was very high this year. That may not matter that much, but I think it does for the mentality of the Dodgers that they have that much confidence in this. I mean, he's 25, but I feel like Julio Urias has been in the league now for 10 years. Yeah, I mean, he broke in when he was, what, 18? I think he was 18. I think that's when Julio made his debut, when he was 18. No, no, he made it 2016 when he was 20. Oh, okay. Still, as a starting pitcher, 20 years old. 296 ERA. 185 innings, struck out 195 guys. Didn't yeah. walk anybody. You know, he's in the 94th percent on, in walk percentage. 1.02 whip. I mean, the Savant page is red. He was pretty freaking phenomenal this year good to to deal with that much adversity at that young of an age when you first come up to the point where like you are going back down to oklahoma city and you have no idea if you have a spot in the dodger rotation moving forward to becoming a 20 game winner and being you know one of the five most valuable pitchers in baseball right now (laughs) um sorry i just coughed um but it's i don't know where that came from but it's just it's insane to look at that from the mental side, right? Like how does this guy bounce back from that and the way that he did and how quickly he did and how dominant he became at such a young age is insane. Like there are some serious good things going on with Julio Arias. Clayton Kershaw had to have had such an influence on this guy. I mean, think about what's the one pitch you probably think about when you think Clayton Kershaw is his slider maybe better, 
But you think that big loopy curveball, right? And Julio Urias throws a very similar type pitch. And in 2021, he threw it 34.2% of the time. Opponents hit 155 against the pitch. 155. He threw a curveball 34.2% of the time. Easily his best pitch. Clayton Kershaw probably had a hand in that. Totally. Totally. Um, Another guy that we left off the list to be considered, but I do want to name him. Okay. Is Lance Lynn. Yeah. He didn't pitch a lot. He was dealing with some nagging issues. His, his load was managed. His load Um, was managed. And when he was on the mound, he was like an automatic seven innings. (laughs) Like Lance Lynn was, I think of Lance Lynn through the amount of innings that Robbie Ray did, I he would be maybe a unanimous Cy Young Award winner. Possibly. Not of the realm of possibilities, but I mean it didn't happen. Didn't. Like that like when we're looking at it, he threw 157 innings this year. It's not that much less than a guy like Corbin Burns, but if we're gonna evaluate it, you better be the best. And Corbin Burns was the best, but Lance Lynn was very very good but he wasn't the best 269 era i mean he still was kind of freaking phenomenal and all he throws is a four seam cutter sinker it's just a lot of fastballs with the change up in the curve i mean there's no doubt that he was a good pitcher there's Lance no doubt Lennon, that he was a good pitcher he was kind of my pace of play king like <laughs> it was it was a throwback to mark burley it was like let's let's get this shit over with i want to go see my wife the only problem is he did give up a lot of loud contact. A lot of loud contact. Because he's year. throwing nothing but fastballs. I guess that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Let's break into our all MLB starting rotation. And let's start with Zach Wheeler. Wheeler has proved he is a bona fide ace in the league. He led Major League Baseball in the innings pitched while sitting at second in FIP and second in war, fifth in ERA, and he struck out 29% of the batters he faced. Zach Wheeler is hard, harder, and hardest. He was dealing with injuries throughout his entire Mets tenure and the beginning of his Phillies tenure, but the Phillies had enough confidence in the stuff to give him big money. He just delivered for the first time on that big money. Dude, you got to look at his baseball savant page. It is so goddamn red. Wow. I mean, he just had... Such a phenomenal year. 97 with the fastball, 92 with the slider, 97 with the sinker, 81 and a half with the curveball, and then 91 with the changeup. You're right. Hard, harder, hardest. This guy was drafted by the Giants, went over to the Mets, and he was dealing with a bit of an injury. The Mets weren't able to fully unlock him, but he goes over to Philadelphia, and he proves why he was drafted sixth overall. He is a bona fide stud, and I'm so excited to see what he does next year because it's another one of these guys. Is it is this peak Wheeler and then he starts to falter, or is this what we should expect moving forward? That's a conversation that I'm excited to talk about next season. Like, for example, another Matt Olson guy, like guys like that who were always good, but then made this incredible leap. Austin Riley, are they going to continue or are they going to falter? I look at Zach Wheeler and I think he's going to continue. You think he's going to continue? If Mm -hmm. I had to guess, this was the peak. You might be right. It's hard. When I think I say continue, 
I was more saying this might be his best overall year, but I think we'll see repeated performances close to this rather than for him to just falter back to the Mets days. Yeah. That's how I was thinking about it. Totally. I I think going forward, he's the ace in Philly. I don't think it's a conversation anymore. Like is Nola going to get there and is Wheeler going to, you know, kind of decline. I think Wheeler's baseline is going to be better than Nola's baseline. And that's still going to be a really good one too. But I don't think Wheeler can do this consistently just because I haven't seen it. I would love for him to prove me wrong and just do it for the second year and throw 200 innings again. Uh, One more thing on Wheeler before we move on. He's 6'4", 195 pounds. When I watch Zach Wheeler and I see the velocity and I see the way he works downhill, I think this guy's like 6'8", 250. But he's not. 60 feet, 6 inches how much release does he get off that back leg? Like that arm is probably finishing like way closer to the plate than a lot of guys. I bet that 100 is looking 102. But he, but he, he's six, four. Like I'm saying he's six, four. Like that's a lot shorter than I was expecting Zach Wheeler to be. Oh, so you weren't even talking about the extension. You're just talking about the physical stature of the man. I'm talking about, I'm talking about extension too. Like the way he extends, I would think he's like six, seven. I know. But he's six four. But he looks six seven. I mean, that's that's the yeah. kind of tilt you can get. I mean, that's yeah. why he's so electric. You can, I, can we switch back and forth when we're talking about these pitchers? Yeah, yeah, you got it. The next guy is Max Scherzer of the Los Angeles Dodgers. The thirty-seven year old just remains one of the best pitchers in baseball. Didn't really matter what team he, he was on. He shoved. He was second in ERA in baseball. He finished sixth in FIP and fifth in pitching WAR while striking out 34% of the batters he's faced. He wants a contract going into his 40s. Give it to him. Where is the slowing down? Did we see it in the second half? Not really. The only thing we saw maybe in the playoffs is because he had an absolute dead arm is because he's throwing inning after inning on three days rest. But that's the kind of horse Max Scherzer is. And he will be a first ballot Hall of Famer at this point because we're expecting a really good season next year. And I think a lot of other teams are. That's why you'll see him still make a ton of money moving into his late 30s, into his age 40 season. Eight straight full seasons finishing in the top five in Cy Young voting. Five straight seasons in the top three. First ballot Hall of Famer. He's a pro, like Kershaw or Verlander. We're almost at that discussion, right? No, no. Kershaw Scherzer. Yeah, I I mean Scherzer is passed up Verlander. Yeah, no no no, I meant Kershaw Scherzer. But like, like all time about, Dude, think about once COVID hit in March, like in March of 2020, we're sitting here and if somebody says Scherzer or Verlander, without a doubt, a lot of people are saying Verlander. Like what what are we saying here? But it's Scherzer. But like Max, Max's this eight year run that he's on. And keep in mind, he's 37 years old. Like this run that he has gone on when guys are supposed to be falling off from their prime. I mean, this is like as good a prime as anybody's had. Active, yeah. the only guy that sniffs this is Kershaw. That's what I'm saying. Now we got a, a different pod. We go through who is the best regular season, or who's the best pitcher. Of our generation. Yeah. That's going to be a fun pod. Yeah. Next all MLB starting pitcher is Patrick Corbin of the Washington Nationals. <laughs> I'm kidding. You want to do the next one? <laughs> I wouldn't have been sick if it was Patrick Corbin. 
The next pitcher on the all MLB team is Garrett Cole of the New York Yankees. He should win the Cy Young, even if Ray leads in strikeouts, innings, and ERA, considering most of the advanced metrics show that Cole actually had the better season. He finished fourth in baseball in FIP, fifth in pitching war, while also striking out 34% of hitters. I think if he didn't have a couple bad starts at the end of the second half, I think the spider tack thing was surrounding him. But when you look at the type of year that Garrett Cole had, you say, all right, Garrett Cole is still a bona fide top five pitcher in baseball. Could you say maybe a Corbin Burns or someone else's two wouldn't fight you on that? But there's no doubt that Garrett Cole is still one of the premier pitchers in baseball. Spider tack or not? I think what I love about watching Garrett Cole is he's a quarterback in the rain um, mm. or he's LeBron without a jumper. Like what he does, um, even when he doesn't have his best stuff, you're giving me the side eye. Let me explain this. Mm-hmm. Um, what I mean by that is even when he doesn't have his best stuff, he is so unbelievably talented that he can will his way through seven innings. Yeah. Like there is no... There's very few pitchers that can do that wild card game. What'd you say? I just said there's very few pitchers that can do that. Yeah. I mean, when you don't have your best stuff, a lot of guys are just not going to have it. Scherzer has that where if he doesn't have his best stuff, he can still get through seven. Wainwright has that, you know, you saw that in the NL wild card game when Scherzer and Wainwright, neither of them were throwing well, but they still got through, you know, the fifth inning and it was one, nothing or something like classic. I was just going to say the classic Garrett Cole start this year gives up a couple runs in the first inning, but then gives you five scoreless after that keeps you in the game. Is it the, is it his fault that the Yankees don't score more than one or two runs that game? No, no, it's not. So, but that's the kind of that Garrett Cole brings to the staff. Right. And that's why you pay him as much as you do. Like to wrap it back to LeBron without a jumper. I mean, think about that. Like when LeBron was in Miami, you know, saying. if the three was falling, it, it was game over. But if the three wasn't falling, it was still probably game over because he was going to figure out a way to beat you. Like LeBron could still have 26, eight and eight with and he's shooting, you know, 10% from three. Yeah, exactly. Like there is nothing, you know, the home run ball. Sometimes Cole had the blow up start, but like the overwhelming majority of his starts, he could work through whatever was going wrong to be yeah. good. Absolutely. Do you want me to keep talking pitchers or you want to, you want to grab one? Our next all MLB starting pitcher, Zach Davies of the Chicago Cubs. Now you can keep going, man. I might just do a joke between each one. I like that. The next pitcher on the all MLB pitching staff is Walker Bueller of the Los Angeles Dodgers. He didn't finish as a Cy Young finalist due to the NL being incredibly stacked with pitching, but we are here to say he had a top five season in 2021. He had the third best ERA in baseball. He was fourth in pitching war while being one of four pitchers this year to throw at least 200 plus innings, finishing second in innings. He was a workhorse all year for one of the best teams in baseball. Losing Trevor Bauer was not easy, but Walker Bueller not only just took that and ran with it, but I think in my opinion is becoming a top five pitcher. And I had a hot take saying that he could be the guy with an ERA under two next year and becomes the best pitcher in baseball. Is that a bit outlandish? Maybe, but that I was just showing how much belief I have in the kid out of Vanderbilt who from day one has been a stud and he only gets better in the playoffs. 
He's a horse. There, there is no pitcher in baseball that I like watching more than Walker Bueller. Seriously. I mean, there's a couple, but like he's, I mean, I, I mean, I like watching Scherzer, obviously. Uh, I love watching Corbin Burns, but like if, if everybody was starting on the same night and you said you could only tune into one game, I'm tuning into Walker Bueller's start. I think I'm tuning into DeGrom. Okay. Yeah. See, I'm still tuning into Bueller. No, I love that. And I think Bueller's probably two or three for me. Seriously. It's, he is, he's so, he's so beautiful when he pitches. Like the delivery is, is, beautiful pitches are clean it's all high spin it's all quick he's got the bravado he's got the tight pants yeah and he's still just 27 we're we're getting started with walker bueller is walker bueller when it's all said and done a hall of famer yeah i think so i'm willing to say that 247 era he had a whip below one this year i mean his savant page is red as shit (laughs) Man, he's a, he's a bona fide right. beast. You want to sing the praises of uh, the best pitcher in baseball this year? Yes, please. But don't you have another joke for who else was? Um, maybe Jordan Lyles. Oh, damn. Okay. Um, now let me let me think for a minute. Um, oh yeah, I got one. Okay. And the best pitcher in baseball this year, not named Jacob Degrom, Dallas Keuchel of the <laughs> yeah, Chicago White Sox. <laughs> I was gonna say I was like you should definitely just go Keuchel there yeah yeah I did gold glover Dallas Keuchel the best pitcher in baseball this year and would be the ace of the all MLB staff is Corbin Burns of the Milwaukee Brewers he led the league in ERA he led the league in FIP and pitching war while striking out almost 36 percent of pitchers percent of hitters for our account the best season by a starting pitcher in 2021, you point to innings as maybe the only thing that you could dock him for, but you can't because it's the Brewers taking him in and out. But in those 165 innings, he was elite, 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 elite. Backdoor cutter is also the best pitch in baseball. The 99 backdoor cutter. If you haven't read Aram's breakdown of the Cy Young race that he pumped out, I want to say end of August, maybe, you should. Because that that dives into the inning disparity there. And he pretty much spells out why Corbin Burns is probably still worthy of it. And he compares it to the Blake Snell scenario. Uh, And Snell was in the AL, so there was really no reason for him to be out at that point. Like, Craig Council is a very finicky manager. He makes a lot of in-game changes. So... He, they also had a really good bullpen that they could go to. So it was exactly. not like you're just, you're, you're, I mean, you're going to Devin Williams. You're going to Josh Hader. I mean, you had, you made a TikTok about Josh Hader. I mean, if you're going to take out the best pitcher in baseball, but then deliver him to maybe the best bullpen, it makes sense there. But we can't dock him for just Craig Council taking him out. He, he was so good. He was just so much better than anybody else when he was on the mound. DeGrom, obviously, but like DeGrom only yeah. threw 100 innings. Yeah. Burns threw 160. Uh, we should mention Jacob DeGrom because didn't he have a 1.08? Yeah, I mean, like, like, Jacob DeGrom, we were joking that he might still win the Cy Young somehow. <laughs> God, I mean, it was like it was like everybody saying that Peyton Manning should have won MVP the year that he missed the entirety of the, of the year and like the Colts went one and 15. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he's the most valuable there. 
Um, yeah, I mean, DeGrom was Bob Gibson when he was healthy. He was better Seriously. than Bob Gibson when he was healthy. So that's that. You want to go to uh, bullpens? Let's go to bullpens. You want to handle the to be considered? You want me? I can do the to be considered. So you go over the uh, the big boys. Or we yeah, can do can one you... of each of the big boys. Um, I'll, I'll do, uh, let's do one of each of the big boys. Um, I'll run through the to be considered. Okay. Um, and let me just start with this guy. <laughs> like, fuck. <laughs> let me start with this guy. Aaron loop <laughs> was not a finalist, but Aaron loop should be considered for the all MLB team. I might write him in if I Seriously. possibly can. I don't even think that's allowed, but I'm going to write Aaron loop in. He was the MVP of the all-snub team. Opponents only barreled 2% of batted balls against Aaron Loop this year. This dude appeared in 65 games and had an 0.96 ERA, sub-1 ERA in 65 appearances. Among pitchers to log 50 or more innings this year, Loop is the only one with an ERA under one. This is a fun list, by the way. ERA leaders, if you drop innings qualification to 50 <laughs> innings pitched. Loop is one. Jacob deGrom is two. <laughs> Josh Hader is three. Emmanuel Classe is four. Ranger Suarez is five. That's a good way to say we need a little bit more of a sample size. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, 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 that should not take away from Aaron Loop. He was phenomenal this year. It's not his fault he doesn't throw more innings. He was always in Mets games. He was one of the most used reliever. And Ranger Suarez, a guy for the Phillies, look out next year. He's fucking good. You texted me and Aram. You texted yeah. me and Aram at some point. You said Ranger Way earlier in the season. It was like May. I'm like, yeah. Ranger Suarez is winning me bets. Go watch him. And we were just like, who is that? I don't know who Ranger Suarez is. And then it turns out he was pretty good. Because Vegas wasn't valuing the Phillies at all. I'm like, Rangers Wars isn't giving up runs. I'd rather go with the Phillies on a plus line with Rangers Wars, and it would just kept hitting because he kept pitching so well. Yeah. Um, another guy you should consider for the all MLB bullpen is Ryan Presley. He had a 2.25 ERA across 64 appearances. So, mind you, one fewer appearance than Aaron Loop. He had a 2.06 FIP, uh, and he had a whip under one. Ryan Presley was really good, and he was a back end anchor for the Astros. Absolutely. We don't have to spend much time on him. We just know Ryan Presley continues to be one of the best relievers in baseball for an Astros team that um, got Kendall Graveman as well. But I think we saw that Presley's the better arm in that pen. Yeah, totally. You do your guy in Anaheim. I'll do my guy in Anaheim. To be considered, Rossiel Iglesias, stud for the Angels. He finished 59 games, which he finished 59 games, which led the AL, 103 strikeouts and only 12 walks in 70 innings this guy has elite stuff elite stuff and he was really good for the reds and now he's really good for the angels and he's looking for a big contract and i think teams are going to sign him we don't love giving relievers big money but if there are if there is a reliever on this market currently even with kenley jansen give me iglesias fair fair throws hard man yeah throws really hard I don't know. I, to be honest, I didn't watch enough for Iglesias this year, just because I would watch the angels when Otani played, but when he wasn't playing, I really didn't watch. And like, I would tune in for, 
you know, a couple of at bats, but really I would just like be on call whenever Shohei was up and I didn't really care about watching David Fletcher this year um, or, you know, Dylan Bundy or anything like that. So the problem with the angels is they were just a one man show, but in this one man show, there was this reliever that was really electric that just didn't get that much shine, but you'll see how front offices evaluate him when you see how much money he gets. And you're like, wait a minute. That dude is a legit reliever and deserves a spot on this list. Totally. I know this guy left a bad taste in all of our mouths, but I really do think that Craig Kimbrell should be considered for the all MLB team in the bullpen. Kimbrell, it was, it was a tale of two sides of the city this year. His year resulted in a two, two, six ERA in 60 innings in 37 innings with the Cubs. He had a 0.49 ERA. 3.2 hits per nine innings and an 874 ERA plus. That means he was 774% better than league average with the Cubs. But in 23 innings with the White Sox, he had a 509 ERA, seven hits per nine, and an ERA plus at 86. So he was 14% worse than league average. He was not good. This was a one trade for the Cubs, big time. They went and got Cody Hoyer. They went and got Nick Madrigal for a guy that just flubbed. But Craig Kimbrell looked like that Hall of Fame Craig Kimbrell we were expecting Craig Kimbrell to be when he was in Atlanta. We had these conversations, remember? Like, is Craig Kimbrell Hall of Famer because we saw what he was doing? And it's like, if he can keep this up for the entire season, and then maybe next year, like, he should get Hall of Fame consideration but he didn't. Yeah. But that doesn't take away from the entire season. When we look back at what he did and you said it yourself, he was still one of the better relievers in baseball. When you look over a full season and we are looking over a full season and that's why he deserves a place on this list. Yeah. Close, but no cigar. Liam Hendricks is our first guy out with the Chicago White Sox. He led the American League in saves with 38 and he was unlucky. He had a two, five, four ERA, which doesn't look too hot especially for Liam Hendricks' standards, but he had an expected ERA at 195, so under two. He ranked sixth in baseball with a 42% strikeout rate and was tied with freaking Josh Tomlin for the best walk rate in baseball at 2%. So he was one of the best at striking guys out. He was the best at not walking guys. I think that's what you want your pitchers to do. Liam Hendricks, the only thing I could say is the Yankees still own you, but everyone else, you own them. Seriously. I mean, Liam Hendricks is fantastic for Oakland and just as good for Chicago. You can handle him. I mean, you've watched him all year. Who hit who hit the cornball? Uh, was it Giancarlo? <laughs> cornball. Yeah. I think it was Jack Harlow, yeah. I can't wait for Cubs Cardinals and Tyler O'Neill to hit two corn balls in the game. I'm gonna call I it a that's the, I'm so in for the field of dreams. Do you remember when we were talking about it initially? I was like, ah, this seems so staged. I was like, I don't know if I like this, but then the game happened and I was like, this is unreal. We we recorded the podcast. <laughs> that's the only time I've added anything post-production. We recorded the podcast before the field of dreams game, and we talked about it because we like recording in the early afternoon um, because we don't like staying up until midnight. <laughs> um, but like morning, guys. we recorded and you know, it, it came out after the field of dreams game. And 
you know, we just kind of looked at it with anticipation. We were like, okay, you know, what's this going to look like tonight? We both kind of said, ah, gimmicky, like not even that great of a movie. It's a good movie, not a great movie. Um, you know, probably going to be a little weird. And then I, I just recorded something into voice memos on my phone right after Tim Anderson's walk off Homer. And I was like, I gotta add this to the podcast. I was just yeah. like, we're idiots. That, that was awesome. That lived up to the hype. So, and that's yeah. good. That's always good. When we, when our expectations are, you know, we assume that MLB is not going to do that great of a job with it, but they really did a fantastic job. And that's always great. I love being wrong on those kind of accounts. Like, again, like we said, I love being wrong. If I call a player bad and they end up being good. I love that. Yeah. Cause that means it's not my career. I hope every player in baseball is phenomenal. Just like I hope every event is, but we go in with expectations and we'll let you know, but then we'll come back afterwards and, and give you our thoughts on it. Yeah. And, and corn balls are so much better than moon blasts with that FTX bullshit, the crypto thing. I like, it, by like the way, homes. by the way, SoCal guy, Staples Center becoming crypto.com arena. They're paying $700 million. I've never even heard. I've never been to crypto.com. I've also never been to crypto.com, <laughs> but crypto.com doesn't care. They got money and they want to. They want to make it crypto.com arena, Staples Center, crypto.com center. I don't know what they're going to call it, but they got the money. They did it on Christmas too. Like it's going to be called crypto.com arena on Christmas. Like, are they the Grinch? They're the new Grinch or are they the new Santa? I guess we'll see how the crypto market develops, whether they become the good guys or the bad guys. I don't know. Screw the moon blasts. You want your uh, flamethrower in Cleveland? I would like to talk about my flamethrower in Cleveland. The maybe not the overall best reliever in baseball, but no doubt the second best reliever in baseball this year was a manual class A of the Cleveland Guardians. Just a casual 102 miles an hour average on the cutter and a 92 mile an hour slider that opponents hit just 110 against across 69 and two thirds innings, 24 saves. He had a 1.29 ERA. He had a 0.96 whip. He had 74 strikeouts. And the kicker, nobody hit it out of the ballpark. Just two home runs all year. I mean, you said it yourself. He only throws a, you said it yourself. I said it myself. <laughs> the, but you, you kind of gave me some notes too as well. The cutter at 100.2, hitters hit 236 off it. That's known as his best pitch, and it's a lethal pitch, but it was that slider that was even unbelievably good this year. I mean, the spin on it, 2550 RPMs, 40.5% whiff rate on that slider. Those are the two of the nastiest pitches in baseball. It's just like, you know, I was a rookie. Same, what? As a rookie. A rookie, 23. That wasn't even a finalist. <laughs> wasn't even a finalist. Um, you know, I went through the same thought process with Chapman when he first came up because the slider was always really good for Aroldis Chapman. Yeah. And I was just like, you know, why, why do you need a second pitch when you throw 102? <laughs> Nobody's yeah. going to touch 102. And the reality is it, somebody's going to figure 102 out because they're Hitters major league baseball good. players. Exactly. Like, Hitters are too good. Right. They, they, they and that secondary pitch, out. yeah. Yeah, so that cool. secondary pitch just works so much better with the fastball. 
it's just it, it's it's amazing the way that those two guys complemented their God-given ability. Like that, you have to work for some of that, but 102 is God-given. <laughs> and they maximized their God-given ability. And I would love, minus the character issues, if Emmanuel Classe turned into Araldus Chapman. Would be kind of cool, right? Would be cool. Let's finish with Josh Hader. Josh Hader's the best reliever in baseball. Yeah. At a 45% whiff rate this year, a 46% strikeout rate, a 153 expected batting average against him. You know, I heard some people say that they don't really like expected batting average as a stat. And to that, I say expected batting average literally just takes exit velocity and launch angle and tells you the hit probability, and it turns it into a batting average. It's a very palatable advanced stat. If you want to see what kind of contact guys are getting, expected batting average is a good stat. And let me tell you that Josh Hader had a 153 expected batting average against him. All those marks, whiff rate, strikeout rate, expected batting average, led major league relievers. And that 153 expected clip against him, is the highest against him in the past four years. I just mentioned this on Twitter. I put it on TikTok. But 2018, 2019, 2020, hitters were expected to be in the 140s against him. Opponents hit 098 against his four-seam fastball this season. A four-seam fastball that, by the way, wasn't 102 like Class A. It was 97. But the run that he gets on it, the rise that he gets on it perceived is world-class. Josh Hader, that fastball, and the way he complements that fastball make him the best reliever in baseball, and I don't think it's particularly close. That's why I said when I was about to introduce Class A. I was like, he was absolutely phenomenal this year and maybe had the best year of any reliever, but I think we're both in the same boat. Josh Hader is the undisputed best reliever in baseball. And wouldn't you say he's the most fun to watch? Yeah. I I mean, what's more fun than watching that long hair and have him slinging BBs right at dudes? He struck out 102 batters in 58 innings. That's nuts. That's nuts. You shouldn't be able to do that against the best hitters on planet Earth. Dude, he's in the 99th percentile of so much shit. So much. Everything. <laughs> everything. Like, literally everything. Like, you, you said that opponents 098. I mean, 150, not 158 off the slider. 176 off the changeup. Like, they're not hitting anything. No matter what he throws, nobody's hitting it. He's a freak. He's a freak. Right. But you got to get to some action. I got Maction, Ball State, Central Michigan. You're going to hear this podcast uh, when it comes out. Uh, or you're going to, obviously, you're going to hear it when it comes out. You're <laughs> going to hear this pod. <laughs> you're going to hear this podcast after Ball State and Central Michigan. Obviously, hoping for a Ball State win because I'm employed by them. Uh, should be a Game good one with the chips. Hey, can I, um, can I run you through something real quick before we go? I want to tell you about this like projected first round pick, offensive tackle at Central okay. Michigan. Cool. Because I I'm the sideline reporter for Ball State football. So like I, I do these deep dives into players. So grab my trusty piece of paper here. You remember okay. when Eric Fisher went first overall? Yeah, the Chiefs. 
Yeah, he, he's an offensive tackle. He was from Central Michigan. So this is the next left tackle from Central Michigan. He's projected as the 28th overall pick to the Cowboys by CBS Sports right now. His name is Bernhard Ryman. Okay. And, I mean, this is one of the crazier backstories you'll see, like, in college football. Like, not this year, just I'm talking ever. He didn't start playing football until he was 14 years old. He's from the Vienna, Austria area. So he started playing in Vienna, Austria when he was 14. He was a wide receiver and a corner when he started. He's a left tackle now. He's 6'7", 240. So, oh, he's only 240 pounds? Uh, no, he got to campus, 6'7", 240. He's up oh, to like okay, okay. Now. I was like, yeah. That seems yeah, slim. but at the time, he was like 6'7", 240, and he played wide receiver and corner. Um, he came stateside as an exchange student in 2015. He lived in like middle of nowhere, Michigan, like north of Kalamazoo. And like pretty much if you looked in the middle of Kalamazoo, Grand Rapids and Lansing, like that's where he's from. Just a bunch of like small lakes. Like there's not much going on there. Um, but his host family, the dad played football at Central Michigan. So it was almost like a, a blindside type thing. Like the the son of that family is actually currently on central Michigan's football roster with this kid. So huh. like, that's how it worked, but he played his high school ball. He commit to central Michigan, but before he could enroll, he had to enlist. So he gray shirted before getting to campus at central Michigan, went back to Austria to complete mandatory military service for the Austrian wow. army. So he got to campus immediately made his presence felt he was a tight end and then he moved to guard and then he moved to tackle he graduated this past may got his bachelor's in both actuarial science and statistics while minoring in mathematics he's currently in an accelerated master's program in applied statistics and analytics all while being the projected 28th overall pick to the dallas cowboys wow this guy's wait how big is he right now uh, I'll tell you right like, now. Did he gain a bunch of weight? Is he now just like much bigger or is he still like this incredible of a tackle while being maybe 250? No, no, we're no. Bern- tackles be 350. Bernhard Ryman is 6'7", 305. There you go. He's back up to beefy boy. And, and his sick. high school, his high school in Steinbrunn, Austria. I love these names. His high school. So like they don't call them high schools over there. His was called Ball Sport Gymnasium Wine. That's sick. <laughs> you went to it's... Ball Sport Gymnasium. What if you weren't an athlete and you went to Ball Sport Gymnasium Wine? You know what that kind of reminds me of? Just Ball So Hard University. Yeah. <laughs> like, when we hear that, where'd you go to school? Just Ball So Hard University. <laughs> Man. All right. That's that. That's your Maction fix. Um, you're not going to hear this beforehand, but I hope you tuned into ESPNU last night to watch Ball State in Central Michigan. So. All right, uh, he's Peter. I'm Jack. All the necessary links you need are in the episode description. He's at PeterApple23. I'm at Jack underscore McMullen11. Those are our handles on Twitter. Uh, Thank you again. Episode 100 in the books. Give me the thank you, everybody, of all thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody.